Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and the podcast when you follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Walk in Truth Show. Now here's part four of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, called The Day of the Lord. We've got uh, the Day of the Lord, Part 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Would you please uh, go ahead and locate that text? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Day of the Lord, Part 2. Um, let's, let's read the text together. So once you've got it, once you stand to your feet if you're able, and we'll read the section once again just to kind of set the context. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1, the Day of the Lord. Now, as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, that the day of the Lord, there's our title, will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, us, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night. Those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet as and as a helmet the hope of salvation for god has not destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through our lord jesus christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we will live together with him therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing May the Lord bless you, and may you write his word upon your hearts. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your living word. Thank you for the day of the Lord. It will be darkness to an unbelieving world, but light to your children, because we are children of light. We have hope. We've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of your beloved son. And he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not remain in darkness. He will have, she will have the light of life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. There are so many verses about the light of the Lord and the light of your word. And Lord, uh, we often pray as your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, I pray that it would be just that today, that it would help us to navigate some dark times. Would you light that searchlight bright in our hearts so that we can walk the path that you've called us to walk, walk it with hope and endurance and strength. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. I'd like to take a moment just to honor uh, little Leanna Ray Fernandez. Um, she was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, fought the good battle. Her parents uh, fought the good fight. You can see a picture of her up there. 
Um, I remember when she was, I believe, first diagnosed, um, the family brought her up for prayer, and she was so exuberant and so full of life, and uh, I remember praying for her that day and hearing about the diagnosis, and uh, I'm not a big Facebook person, but I will tell you that there's been a lot of updates that I know Brianna has posted on Facebook, and uh, many of you have been praying, many of you, uh, you know, realize the story that was going on and you began to pray and try to encourage and uh but you know with all this this little one went through little liana and all the the different uh treatments that she went through her body just couldn't take anymore and so she did she did pass away and go into the arms of her heavenly father and uh, that was just yesterday and so uh i i don't i don't really have words uh, to to try to understand these kinds of things. I really don't. And I had a chance to talk to Brianna briefly uh, yesterday, and I just will say that we weep with those who weep, and our hearts go out to you, Gibbony family. Um, I know it's been a, a very heavy time for all of you. And uh, all I can say is we have we're going to grieve, but not like those who have no hope. And so we're praying that the Lord would be your refuge and strength through this time and that uh, anything that you need, we are here and we are, we are willing to help. So God bless you guys and thank you for being here today. Um, yesterday also, uh, we did host that memorial service for Lacey Massaro, the wife of Mark Massaro. And uh, that was also a very powerful time here. And I, I mentioned those because we are a family of believers and, and we need to grieve with those who grieve, weep with those who weep, laugh with those who laugh. And, um, but I also mention it because it's in our text. And I want to just take you back and give you kind of the big picture just for a moment to let you know that uh, this section on resurrection, rapture, and the day of the Lord began in 13 of chapter 4. So take a look back there just for a second, where Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed brethren, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, about those who are asleep, that's those who have died, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe or since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's our hope, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep or died in Jesus. And then we have this great statement about the return of the Lord. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain or survive will be caught up together with them, those who have fallen asleep or died, in the clouds, that's the glory clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now that was a text that we studied just a few weeks ago. And one thing I want to just alert you to is there's no chapter breaks in the original letter. And the section on this topic moves from 4.13 to 5.11.
It's the same uh, content. It's the same topic. The topic is the coming of the Lord, the resurrection and the rapture from 4.13 to 5.11. I mentioned to you as we did the first part of the study of the day of the Lord, that the natural question is, well, when is this going to happen? You know, and that's what people would be asking now, 5.1, as to the times and the seasons or epochs, brethren, you have no need for anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord, that's a synonym of the coming of Jesus Christ, will come just like a thief in the night. Now, interestingly enough, J. Vernon McGee this morning on the program was teaching on the day of the Lord. And I thought, ah, that's interesting. There's J. Vernon McGee. He's been in heaven for a long time. And they're airing a a sermon on the day of the Lord. And he touched on some of these scriptures. And one thing that he said was, that there's no way that we can know when the rapture will occur. And let me just, I want to just explain just for a second. So within the views of the return of Christ and the rapture, there are some differing views. There are some people that believe that Jesus will rapture his church at the beginning of what's called Daniel's 70th week. Scholars would say that's a seven-year period. It's really anchored in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. It's a final seven-year period known as Daniel's 70th week. And they say that the church will be raptured at the beginning of that time. And then essentially what will happen is that the day of the Lord will commence and all hell will break loose on the earth. That's called the pre-tribulation rapture. It happens before the seven years commence. Now, I will say that there are many good scholars who hold that view. I don't hold that view, but I hope they're right because if they're right, that means that we won't have to deal with any of what goes on in that seven-year tribulation period. Now, there are some who are mid-tribulationists. They believe at the halfway point of that final seven years is when the church will be taken, so the church will deal with some stuff But before the Antichrist really starts his shenanigans and all of that, the church will be taken out and then there'll be a time of great tribulation. That's the mid-tribulation perspective. I don't hold that view either. Then there are people who hold a post-tribulation rapture view. They believe the whole seven years will go by and then the church will be taken out. I don't hold that view either. And then there are other people who believe in a pan-tribulation view. However, it all pans out. But what I hold to is something called the pre-wrath view. And in this view, there's a distinction between tribulation and wrath. Tribulation is a Greek word called thlipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, thlipsis. And it simply just means trouble or pressure. Jesus said, in this world, you will have flipsis. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the pre-wrath view, there's a distinguishing between tribulation and wrath. If you look at verse 9, just to look ahead for a second, God has not destined us for what? For wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So wrath is not for God's people. So I would argue that whenever the day of the Lord commences, since it is wrath, it's not for us. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team invite you to Harvest Fest 2020. Harvest Fest is free and will be outside Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. This is an entertaining, fun, and safe way for your family to spend October 31st. You and the kids will enjoy fun activities like trunks of treats, find your way through a life-size maze, play games like the cakewalk, and of course, have a chance to fellowship with worship music. Again, bring your family and friends and come out and meet Pastor Michael at Harvest Fest, October 31st from 6 to 8.30 p.m. outside Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Call 844-48-TRUTH for information and directions. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. In that seven-year tribulation period. Now, there are some who are mid-tribulationists. They believe at the halfway point of that final seven years is when the church will be taken, so the church will deal with some stuff. But before the Antichrist really starts his shenanigans and all of that, the church will be taken out and then there'll be a time of great tribulation. That's the mid-tribulation perspective. I don't hold that view either. Then there are people who hold a post-tribulation rapture view. They believe the whole seven years will go by and then the church will be taken out. I don't hold that view either. And then there are other people who believe in a pan-tribulation view, however it all pans out. But what I hold to is something called the pre-wrath view. And in this view, there's a distinction between tribulation and wrath. Tribulation is a Greek word called thlipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, thlipsis. And it simply just means trouble or pressure. Jesus said, in this world, you will have flipsis. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the pre-wrath view, there's a distinguishing between tribulation and wrath. If you look at verse 9, just to look ahead for a second, God has not destined us for what? For wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So wrath is not for God's people. So I would argue that whenever the day of the Lord commences, since it is wrath, it's not for us. But the question is, is when does the day of the Lord actually begin? Does the day of the Lord begin at the beginning of Daniel's 70th week? Or does it begin somewhere in the midst of those seven years? This is where some of these views swing. And I 
And I don't want to get overly technical, but I think a lot of you are familiar with this content. So here's in the pre-wrath view. The pre-wrath view says we will be taken out pre-wrath, but it doesn't mean that we will not go through trouble or tribulation. Everybody with me? There's the distinguishing between tribulation and wrath. Now, let me ask you, has the church ever been spared tribulation? Uh-uh. In fact, wouldn't we argue right now that we're going through tribulation? There's some churches that are meeting this morning under threats of being locked down, under threats of fines and arrest. This morning, not many miles from this location, there's tribulation, but, but that's relatively minor to other parts of the world where if you get caught in a meeting, you could be killed. So the church has always uh, gone through tribulation. In fact, 11 of the 12 apostles die a martyr's death. So for us to believe that just because we're the bride of Christ, we won't have any trouble is really to be naive and ignorant of the Bible. The church has had 2,000 years of trouble. Now it's been, you know, at different uh, levels and all of that, but nonetheless, we've had trouble. And what I will say to you is in the pre-wrath view, the pre-wrath view says we will go through trouble, but before the judgment of God comes, God will pull his people out right before the wrath. Okay? And what this is uh, in concert with is the illustrations that Jesus gave. I'm not going to go back and take you to them, but he gave two illustrations, Noah and Lot. Noah built the ark all those years. God shut the door and he shut the door. And on the day he shut the door, the flood came and took them all the way, all the way. The angels told Lot, we can't destroy this place until you're out. They pulled the family out. And as they were going out, the fire fell. So this is what the pre-wrath view argues, that right before the wrath will be the rapture. And remember that the resurrection precedes the rapture, as we just read in chapter 4. So before the rapture has to be the resurrection, because we won't be taken up, we won't precede those who have died. So there's going to be a resurrection and a rapture, and God's people will go out, and then judgment will come down, okay? We are not appointed to wrath. Now, I will tell you, I hope and pray the pre-tribulation rapture view is correct, because I have no martyrs complex, <laughs> and if the Lord wants to spare us from that trouble, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And I remember uh, years ago, uh, Walter Martin, who was kind of the apologist of the last century, and he wrote uh, The Kingdom of the Cults and so forth. He had a post-trib view. Chuck Smith, founder of Calvary Chapel, had a pre-trib view. And they were going up to the mountain on a retreat and they were debating the two views. And basically, uh, Walter Martin said to Chuck, if you're right, I'll just grab onto your ankle and we'll go up together. So it'll, be, it'll all be all right. Now, I will say this to you. This is a in-house debate. Good scholars disagree. And so this is not an essential doctrine. The timing of the rapture or the resurrection is not an essential doctrine. But it is an important doctrine for the generation who will face it. Can I get a witness? 
Now, it might not matter to anybody else, but if you're going through it, you might want to know what the timing's going to look like, right? Now, no man knows the day or the hour, but we are going to be given, and this is kind of where we were headed last time, we're going to be given some signs to look for, seasonal signs. And I want you to see something important before we move on. Because the world, here's a sign in verse 3, the world will have a denial mantra at the time. They'll be saying, 1 Thessalonians 5.3, peace and safety, peace and safety. Morris points out right up to the coming of the Lord, they'll be saying this, peace, peace, when there is no peace. But destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape. Similar to Noah, similar to Lot. But this is what a lot of pre-tribulation rapturists leave out. See, the rapture will not, or the second coming of the Lord will not come like a thief in the night to the church. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day, and that's the day of the Lord, just connect that to verse 2, would overtake you like a thief. Now, if the rapture is pre-tribulational and signless, you'll hear, uh, teachers say there's no sign that must be fulfilled before the rapture comes. It could come at any moment, right? Jesus could come and bam, we're out of here. That's a signless rapture. And then if that's true, wouldn't the rapture come to a lot of people like a thief in the night? Think about it. It would come as a surprise because if none of us know when the rapture is going to occur, if it's signless, and there's nothing that surrounds it, there's nothing to look for, then whenever Jesus does appear, if it's pre-tribulational, we'll come like a thief. Doesn't that make sense? But that's not what our Bible says. Our Bible says, no, it's not going to come like a thief to you, brethren, because you're not in darkness that the day, the day of the Lord, would overtake you like a thief. You are all sons of light, sons of day, we are not of night nor of darkness. Now you might say, well, Pastor Michael, what are the things that will occur before this great day of the Lord? You've been listening to The Day of the Lord, Part 4 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1-11. through 11. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, can you do us a favor and follow us on Instagram or Twitter? We'd love to connect with you. We'd also like to give you a shout out in future programs. So, hey, DM us on Instagram or Twitter and let us know where you're listening from. Follow us and DM us at Walk in Truth Show. That's at Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, maybe you've heard about this concept of the rapture, but you're like, man, I did a I found a groovy concordance, man, and I can't find the word. What's what's up with that? Well, the word rapture is actually a Latin word, but it speaks of the catching up of Christians. And uh, we've been teaching about this idea of a rapture, which really means that think of rapture as rescue. Think of rapture as Lot being pulled out of Sodom before the judgment, uh, as Noah being closed into the ark of safety before the flood. That's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the concept of a rescue and then wrath coming down, but God protecting 
his people. That's the rapture, the catching up of Christians to be with the Lord always and to comfort one another with that reality, those words. Hey, we have Harvest Fest coming up October 31st. It's getting so close, and we would love for you and your family to come. 6 to 8.30 p.m. is a Halloween alternative on Halloween night. There's going to be trunks and treats, a lot of decorated cool cars the kids can enjoy, some games associated with that. There's going to be a cool big maze, a cakewalk, worship music playing, candy and food, and lots of fun, and we want you to come. Now, Living Truth Christian Fellowship is where I serve as senior pastor. That's where Harvest Fest is happening, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. Now, if you want to get all the details and you can find out much more about what the church is doing and how to get here, download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store, look for the red logo with the pillars, or go to walkintruth.com. Hey, make sure you make plans to join us. Invite some friends you know. Say, hey, we got a place to go on Halloween night, somewhere we, we can have fun. It's safe. It's contained. It'll be a wonderful night. Plan on it, and God bless you, and we'll see you right here tomorrow. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and to help you apply it to today's issues, trends, and culture. So please consider, if you can, donating or becoming a monthly partner. You can give your donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part five of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, called the Day of the Lord. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.